Good morning, church family. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 32. Appreciate our scripture reading about clothing ourselves with Christ. Obviously, we're uh, playing on words a little bit as we talk about changing our clothes this morning. And there are a lot of cliches that we throw around sometimes in the English language, like the clothes make the man, or dress for the job you want. Uh, These are statements that are often found on magazine racks and self-help blogs that sort of highlight our obsession as uh, Americans, maybe, with fashion. You do know that the world is obsessed with clothing and other adorning things, don't you? If you go to London, you'll find that there are newspapers that keep track of what the royal family is wearing, even noting how many times they change their clothes every day. We are inundated with ads on billboards and commercials and those kind of creepy ads on Facebook that always know a little bit too much, that try to allure us to buy something that will enhance our physical appearance, whether that be some kind of supplement or makeup or clothing We spend a great deal of our time thinking about our appearance. And listen, that's not all bad. The truth is that what we wear and how we present ourselves says a great deal about who we are. For instance, if you see me around town, you might see me in my standard attire of jeans and a t-shirt and a hat probably, most likely a Texas Tech hat. What does that say about me? Well, it says that I'm kind of a casual guy. I like college football. Maybe you could find some other things that those clothes say. I don't know. But if you see people that wear a three-piece suit, that says something about them, doesn't it? If someone is wearing scrubs, that says something about what they do for a living, doesn't it? What we wear says a lot about who we are as people. And as fashion-conscious as we are in our culture... Would you believe that in our text today, the Apostle Paul cares a lot about fashion? Now, he's not going to talk about what we physically put on our bodies, but he is going to talk about what we put on spiritually speaking. In fact, he's going to use language that actually refers to putting on and taking off clothes to convey something really, really important for us as Christians. So let's start reading here and. Uh, Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. Therefore I say this and testify in the Lord. You should no longer live as the Gentiles live, in the futility of their thoughts. They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. They became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity, for the practice of every kind of impurity, with a desire for more and more. But that is not how you came to know Christ, assuming you heard about Him and were taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus, to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. So did you catch what he said? He is urging us to take off our former way of life and put on the new self. This is the the idea of putting on and taking off clothing. 
In fact, this very word that he uses here means that very act, to take off and put on clothes. So this is the image that Paul gives us here. And Paul first starts this section by telling those Gentile Christians in Ephesus that they should no longer live as the other Gentiles do. In other words, he first starts by telling us what the old wardrobe that we need to lay aside looks like. And he says, says this by telling us a few negative characteristics of the Gentiles. So what, does, what do these old clothes that we need to discard of look like? He first says in verse 17 that the Gentiles are futile in their thoughts. Futile means incapable of producing a useful result or pointless even. So the question that I have here is, is that is it true that anyone apart from Christ has a mind that is incapable of producing any useful result? That seems a little harsh, doesn't it? It seems to be what Paul's saying here. I mean, what about the great Greek thinkers like Socrates and Plato and Aristotle? Certainly people like this uh, achieved great intellectual accomplishments, didn't they? What about non-Christian people in our day? I think all of us have probably benefited from some invention or concept that an unbeliever thought of, haven't we? Are those people really futile in their thinking? Well, Paul isn't saying here that unbelievers are incapable of great intellectual achievements, but he is saying that all of these great achievements will inevitably fall short of true wisdom. Remember Proverbs 9, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In other words, unbelieving people can fill their minds with all kinds of things, but all of those thoughts will inevitably lead nowhere apart from Christ. Listen, we should never, ever make the mistake of thinking that head knowledge automatically equals true spirituality. It is simply not the case. Knowledge is important, but Paul says that apart from Christ, mere knowledge doesn't really lead anywhere. We can be the valedictorian of our class. We can be the top of our field. We can be the smartest, most knowledgeable person in the whole room. But without Christ, our knowledge and our thoughts are futile. They might benefit us for a while on earth, but God's wisdom leads to eternal life. What else do our old clothes look like? Paul also says in verse 18 that they are darkened in their understanding. Time and time again in the Bible, in the Old Testament and the New, the idea of darkness and light frequently describe those who are either in a state of lostness or are saved by God. For instance, in Acts chapter 26, verse 18, Luke records Jesus telling Paul that he is sending him to the Gentiles to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a share among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So the lost, those apart from God, are considered by the biblical writers to be in the dark because in the dark we try to hide our sinfulness from God and from one another, but also because in the dark our perception of reality is skewed. We don't see the world for what it really is like. 
In the dark, we tend to think that evil things are good and good things are evil. In the dark, we don't see ourselves and our need for a Savior as we ought to. In the dark, we don't understand God or His ways. This apparently is what these Gentiles were like. They were stumbling around in the darkness, unable or or maybe even more appropriately, unwilling to see and experience truth. Paul also describes the old clothes and old wardrobe by saying in verse 18 that they are excluded from the life of God. I like how the NLT puts it. They wonder, uh, they wonder far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds to Him. So another characteristic of this old clothing that characterizes the Gentiles is that they have shut God out of their lives. They don't acknowledge His presence in the world or in their lives. They aren't grateful for the blessings that He provides. They've completely shut Him out of every corner of their minds. Then finally, in verses 18 and 19, Paul says, maybe most tragically, that they have hardened their hearts terribly. He says they are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, and because of the hardness of their hearts. They became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with the desire for more and more. The Greek word for hardness is porosis, which comes from the word poros, which originally meant a stone harder than marble. In our terms, we would say that this person has a heart of stone. When Jesus healed the man with a withered hand on the Sabbath, the same word is used to describe the Jews who were looking for an excuse to condemn Jesus for doing things on the Sabbath. It says that Jesus was grieved by their hardness of heart. I think the text that best illustrates this hardness of heart is probably Romans 1, 20-23, if you want to flip over there. Paul says, For his invisible attributes that is, His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what He has made. As a result, people are without excuse, for they know God, uh, for though they know God, they did not glorify Him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless, and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. So do you hear some of the common themes of darkness and hard hearts? Paul said the reason why people reject God is not because He is unknowable, but because people, and by people I mean everyone, everywhere, have suppressed the truth and we harden our hearts to God. An illustration that I came across is one of a little boy who, unbeknownst to his parents, had smuggled a dog into his bedroom. When he heard his parents coming down the hall, he put the dog in his toy box and he sat on the lid. As his parents came in and were talking to him and having a conversation between the parents and this little boy, the little boy was sitting on that uh, toy box, ignoring the thumps of the poor dog that was inside of it. He was suppressing the truth, wasn't he? He was trying to ignore the reality of what was right there. This is the same idea that Paul is wanting to convey to us. 
He says that the world is a place where people know the truth to some degree, but they suppress it within them and begin to grow a tolerance, a hardness, a callousness to evil. I think callousness and having a hard heart is probably the most dangerous thing that we can experience as humans. And I don't think that that's an overstatement. I think that callousness and having a hard heart is the most dangerous thing that we can experience as human beings. Because when we continually harden our hearts to God and His Word, and maybe other Christians even, what is there going to be left to help turn us from our ways? If we are the type of person that thinks that they are never wrong and can't be told by others things that, uh, things that we don't want to hear, brothers and sisters, that is a deadly trait It is a trait that belongs in our old set of clothes that Paul is going to tell us to change out of as fast as we can. Because the longer we are right in our own minds, the more and more callous we become, and the more difficult it is for our hearts to be penetrated by God's Word. So maybe we should make that a regular prayer of our daily lives. Father God, soften our hearts to what You want us to. To know, Help us to never have a heart that is callous to you and that tolerates the evil and the sin in our lives. Okay, so in verses 17 through 19, Paul has painted a pretty vivid image about what these old clothes look like. And they're ugly. They're pretty tattered, aren't they? He says these clothes smell of arrogance and ignorance. Because in these clothes, our thoughts are futile. We are darkened in our understanding. We are excluded from the life God gives. And our hearts are hard to God's truth. So who in the world would want to wear clothes like this? Not us, right? So Paul says there is a better way in verses 20 through 24. After telling us of the old wardrobe, he tells us of the new Wardrobe. So read it with me again here, verses 20 through 24. But that is not how you came to know Christ, assuming you heard about Him and were taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus, to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of truth. Paul tells us as Christians that we need to take off our old clothes and put on our new ones. He tells us that we must take off our former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires. I think all of us to some degree can relate to this. Before Christ, all of us had these tattered, ugly, smelly clothes. We were selfish. We were deceitful. We didn't look out for the interest of others. We always looked out For number one, in Christ we take off these things, these ways that we used to live, and God allows us to become somebody different. He says we do this by the renewing of our minds. Remember what he said earlier about the old self? He said that the old self is one of darkened understanding and futile thoughts and ignorance. But when we become Christians and we we gain a new wardrobe, our minds are renewed. If the old mind was darkened, the new mind is enlightened. If the old one was futile, the new mind is useful and fruitful. 
If the old mind was ignorant, the new mind is knowledgeable. I think one of the greatest gifts God gives us is a renewed mind. Sometimes is your mind just in need of renewal? Is your mind just exhausted with all of the things going on in the world, maybe all of the things going on in your life? Does your mind tend to fill itself with negative thoughts about the world, maybe negative thoughts about yourself? Yes, a great gift that God gives us is a renewed mind, with a renewed sense of meaning and a renewed sense of self. Romans 12, 2 similarly says, Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. It is so easy for our minds to be conformed to this world. It is so easy to set our minds on the things of this world, particularly on a week like this, when the whole world is talking about a political election. But in Christ, God gives us a renewed mind. One that isn't stressed about the events of this world or the direction of this world, but one whose thoughts are on Him continually. The final thing Paul says about this new self in verse 24 is that it is according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. Now that's some pretty lofty language. You may remember the very earliest account of humanity all the way back in Genesis. When God created man, what did he say? He said, let us make man in our own image. What does it mean to be made in the image of God? Well, it means that in some sense, in many ways, we are like God. We are rational. We are creative. We are relational, among many other things. And as Adam and Eve sinned, they were still made in the image of God, but in many ways they were very unlike God. And similarly, before Christ, you and I uh, were made in the, in the image of God just like every other person in the world. But as we sinned, we started to look less and less like the God that made us. And the story of the whole Bible is God redeeming humanity to bring us back to that state that was. That's why Paul tells us to put on the new self, the one that is according to God's likeness. He is urging us to make things the way that they were intended to be. This is why God puts His Spirit in us at baptism. He is wanting us to act according to His likeness again. He is wanting us to become more and more like Him until that final day when Christ returns and all of us will be totally made perfect and holy and sanctified. But until then, we are encouraged to continue making the decision to put on this new self day after day. As I was reading through this, I had a question at this point. Maybe you kind of have this question as well. Why does Paul tell us to put on these new clothes if God has already saved us? I mean, which one is it here? Has God already saved us? Or do we have to make the conscious decision every single day to be our new selves and to put on those new clothes? Well, the answer to both of those, uh, this tension, is yes. It's both and. When we submit to Christ, we put Him on in baptism. And it is in that act that we are given a new change 
of clothes. We become justified before God. We are saved, period. There's no doubt about it. But in the same breath, Paul also charges us to make that conscious decision every single day to put on the new clothes. It's kind of like asking the question, when were you saved? You could honestly say three things. You could say, I was saved when Jesus died on the cross. I was saved the day I was baptized into Christ. You could also say, I will be saved at the second coming of Jesus. The Bible talks about salvation in each of these different terms. And it's the similar answer here. God has already saved us, yet we are still commanded and encouraged to keep changing out of our old clothes and putting on our new ones every single day. Now in verses 25 through 32, Paul gives us a picture of what wearing our new clothes looks like. He's told us we need to change from old to new, but here's what this looks like in the practical world. Verses 25 through the end of the chapter. Therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, and don't give the devil an opportunity. Let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he is to do honest work with his own hands, so that he has something to share with everyone in need. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need, so that it gives grace to those who hear. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by Him for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you, along with all malice. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as God has also forgiven you in Christ. When wearing our new clothes and acting as the new creation God has made us to be, it looks like these verses. It looks like being honest and quick to forgive, not harming our neighbors, working hard, being generous, being gracious with our speech, being compassionate. And in a word, to really sum up all of these things, it looks like not grieving, uh, not doing anything to grieve God's Holy Spirit that is inside of each and every one of us. This is the way we act when we wear the right spiritual clothing. So, all of us put some kind of thought into what we wear every day, right? Maybe some folks more than others, and that's all right. But all of us want to look presentable, at least. We want to wear things that say something about us and our personality, maybe the things that we do. I remember growing up, it was always a huge deal to go pheasant hunting uh, the first opening weekend in December. Uh, It was a big, big deal back in West Texas. The night before, I would lay out everything, my hat and my shirt, my pants and my coat, all of the hunting gear that you can possibly imagine and uh, way more than I could possibly use. But I knew exactly what I wanted to wear early that next morning. I don't pay that close attention to my clothing normally. But as I stand at my closet every single morning, like you, I do think about what I want to put on my physical body that day. What if we were just as mindful of putting on the right spiritual clothing every day? If it's raining, I'm wearing a raincoat. If it's hot, I'm not going to wear long sleeves. 
But in a world that is sinful and hostile, callous uh, to, to the world and, and to God's spiritual truth, do we have the right spiritual clothes on every single day to be prepared for what the world might bring us? What if we intentionally thought every single day that there are two sets of clothes that we need to make sure to put on every day? And both sets are equally important, right? Our physical clothes are made of cotton and polyester or whatever, but make sure to put on our spiritual clothes that are made according to God's likeness. What if every single day we resolved to wear these clothes and not grieve God's spirit and be humble and compassionate and Christ-like people. That would be wonderful, wouldn't it? We'd be much more at peace with the things going on in our lives and in the world. So this morning, I must ask, what are we wearing? What are you wearing this morning? Not your physical clothes, but what Paul says. Are you wearing your old clothes of selfishness and ignorance? Are you darkened in your understanding? Maybe you're here and you're not a Christian and you've never been given this new wardrobe, these shiny, sparkling, white, clean clothes without blemish. God says that you can be buried with Christ in baptism and wear those new clothes and become a completely new creation in Christ. And if that sounds pretty good to you this morning, you are welcome to take that step of faith today. Maybe on the other hand, you are a Christian. Um, But you kind of go back and forth of changing in and out of these new clothes that you've been given. I hope that you are encouraged to put on the new self created according to God's likeness every single day. If you need help with that, uh, help um, staying true to that person that God has, has made you to be in Christ, we would love to pray for you as a church family. But if there's anything we can do for you, we would love to do so as we stand and sing.